Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beat Midrash. This year, each week, we will hear a Devar Torah on the Parsha from Rabbi David Kasher. Let's listen. Just as we are about to arrive at the apex of the Exodus drama, the final plague and the actual departure from Egypt, the Torah makes a sudden shift in genre. Chapter 12 opens with, This month will be for you the first of months the marking of the new moon, the first mitzvah given to Israel. And with that, the Jewish legal tradition officially begins. Having established the calendar, the Torah immediately begins detailing the rituals for what will become the first of its yearly observances, Pesach. At the center of those rituals are two related mitzvot, eating matzah and not eating chametz. That together will serve as keys to understanding the role of the mitzvot in the new life of the people of Israel. The basic reason for these symbolic foods is well known. To remember that our ancestors left Egypt in haste, bechipazon. They had to eat matzah, so we eat matzah, to remind us of the exodus. But the severity of the consequences for anyone who violates these laws may take us by surprise. Seven days you will eat matzot, the Torah says, but on the first day you will remove leaven from your houses. For anyone who eats chametz from the first day to the seventh day, that person will be cut off from Israel. Nichretaha nefeshahi Israel. Karet, or cutting off, spiritual excommunication from the people of Israel, is the most serious punishment the Torah can issue. So what is it about eating chametz on Pesach that is so fundamentally egregious that it incurs expulsion from Israel? Conversely, what is it about eating matzah among all the rituals of Pesach that is so definitional that the Torah's name for the holiday becomes Chag HaMatzot, the festival of matzah? An important clue that can help us make sense of the highly charged polarity comes in the form of a play on words the Torah introduces two verses later. See if you can hear an oddity in this phrasing. Ushamartem et hamatzot. Observe the matzot. For on this very day I brought your troops out of the land of Egypt, so observe this day throughout the generations as an eternal decree. Why are we being told to observe the matzot? Aren't we supposed to eat the matzot? The Mechilta, an early collection of Midrash on the book of Exodus, exposes a double meaning encoded in the verse. Rabbi Yoshe Omer, Altikraken, Ella, Ushamartem et hamitzvot. Rabbi Yoshe says, don't read it this way as matzot, but instead as observe the mitzvot. Just as we do not allow the matzah to become leavened, so too we do not let a mitzvah become leavened. Instead, if you have the opportunity to do a mitzvah, do it right away. Now, perhaps you had already made this connection. The words matzot and mitzvot sound so similar that, though they do not share a root, it's easy to associate them. Rabbi Yoshia points out that it isn't just a matter of sound. The two words are also homographs, spelled exactly the same in the Torah. This is possible because the letter Vav can serve as either a consonant with a V sound or as a vowel with an O sound. 
In modern Hebrew, they're distinguished by adding a vav, as the scribe in the Mechilta did in order to make the point clear. But in the Torah, the two words are spelled exactly the same way. If observing the matzot sounded a little odd, observing the mitzvot is a very common phrase, appearing all over Tanakh. Avraham was the first to be described as having yishmor mishmarti mitzvotai, observed my observances and my commandments. The book of Deuteronomy alone has over 30 instances of some variation of the phrase, observe the mitzvot. It even makes an appearance in the Ten Commandments, in the commandment prohibiting idolatry, which promises that God will reward those who serve faithfully, for God is Ose chesed la'alafim lo'havai u'lashomrei mitzvotai, the one who does kindness to the thousandth generation of those who love me and observe my commandments. Since we read the Torah every year, increasingly familiarizing ourselves with its language, we're likely to detect a hidden message in the instruction, Ushamartem et hamatzot, to observe the matzot, one that points us towards a broader consideration of our relationship to the commandments. The Levson Rabbi Yoshia sees in the visual pun is very specific. We should treat the commandments like we treat baking matzah and do them without delay. But the implications of this parallel are far broader. The allusion to the commandments is no side lesson. This is the very point of eating matzah. Eating matzah is itself a mitzvah that is meant to symbolize all of the mitzvot. What, then, does chametz symbolize? Matzah, remember, is unleavened bread, but it's still bread. It is later called lechem oni, the bread of poverty or the bread of affliction. It's not good bread. It's almost anti-bread. It's not supposed to be enjoyable. You're not supposed to be thinking about the pleasure of eating matzot, but of the commandment to eat them. Chametz, then, is good bread. Doughy, delicious, gluten-filled bread. The kind of bread that makes your mouth water when you smell it baking. The kind of bread you remember. So, where do the people of Israel remember eating bread like this? Uh, listen to their lament just after crossing the Red Sea. Vayomer Aleim Bnei Israel. The children of Israel said to Moshe and Aaron, Would that we had died by the hand of the Eternal in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, Ba'achlenu lechem lisboa, and ate bread to our satisfaction. But you have taken us out into this desert to kill this whole congregation by starvation. Egypt was the place of chametz, the kind of bread that one eats to satisfaction. Egypt, we know from Genesis, has always been the place one goes to escape hunger. Avraham went down to Egypt, for there was a famine in the land of Canaan. Eventually, the whole world will travel to Egypt, seeking the same refuge. There was famine in all other lands, it says in Genesis, but in the whole land of Egypt, hayalechem, there was bread. And when the whole land of Egypt was hungry, the people called out to Pharaoh for bread. Egypt, in the Torah's landscape, is the kingdom of abundance. The Torah compares it to the garden of the eternal, that is, like another Eden on earth. It is thus the land of bread, and the kind of bread that has had plenty of time to soak and expand. There is, however, a catch. What do people do when they need the bread of Egypt? They must call out to Pharaoh and beseech him 
the abundance of Egypt creates dependence on the powers of Egypt. That dependence eventually makes people weak, vulnerable to subjugation. When we're desperate, we'll do anything. We might even say, Acquire us and our land for bread. And we, with our land, will become slaves to Pharaoh. Anyone upon whom one must rely for physical sustenance becomes one's master. Any society in which one or a few people control all the material wealth is not a free society, or will not be one for long. Bread has become a motif through which we can chart the descent into Egypt, the dependence on Pharaoh, and even the emergence of slavery in that land. Chametz, the fullest form of bread, thus comes to symbolize all of those forces that must be left behind. Bread then also becomes the medium through which those forces are diminished. First, the bread itself is diminished. Matzah is a bread that will provide survival, but not total satisfaction. In a very literal sense, the people of Israel are being taught to live with less. Soon the Israelites will run out of matzah and be forced to call out to God, not Pharaoh, for their sustenance. God will respond by raining lechem min hashamayim, bread from the heavens. These people's entire orientation to bread is being shifted, training them to rely not on terrestrial powers, but heavenly ones. The Torah has created a matrix of associated terms that allow us to reenact our people's spiritual development through the particular mitzvot of Pesach. The week-long replacement of chametz with matzah is about more than just remembering the haste of the Exodus. It represents the larger transformation that the Exodus brings, the replacement of human power with divine authority. Our observance of the mitzvot proclaims that we are servants to no one but God, As we trade in the whims of a tyrant for the will of the Almighty, we are moving, once again, from chametz to matzah, from Mitzrayim to mitzvah. Thanks for listening. I wanted to let you know that I'm teaching an online Parsha class every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, in partnership with Ikar. Uh, We'll take a deeper dive into some aspect of the material we covered in this Devar Torah. So if you love these podcasts, it's a great way to keep the conversation going. Sign up for free at hadar.org forward slash west. Our producers for this episode are Sam Greenberg and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to Nadav Remez for editing this episode. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you. (laughs) 